take charge of your leadership development. Join our How to Take the Lead Substack community for bonus materials, exclusive content, and discussions that will challenge and change the way you lead. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find out more. Oh, we're back to buckets. We haven't added buckets since probably like series two on Instagram. I'm loving that the buckets are back. You're listening to How to Take the Lead with Lee Griffith and Carrie Ann Wade, two corporate colleagues turned business besties who question everything we've ever learned about leadership. What started with us putting the world to rights over a gin after work is now a weekly show challenging the myths and perceptions and exploring what leadership looks like in the modern day. We'll also be sharing our experiences and stories along the way. Visit howtotakethelead.com to find our show notes, subscribe to our email list for extra goodies, as well as catch up on previous episodes. And we're now on social media media so get involved in the conversations by following us on twitter or instagram at how to take the lead welcome to this episode of how to take the lead i am here as always with the lovely lee hello lee how are you doing good evening um well not to people who are listening because they could be listening any time of the day but good evening to you carrie Anne, at the time that we're recording it and good evening to you too. I feel like it's going to be some sort of too honest oh, yeah. news reporter news reporter sketch. So um, so before we crack on with the episode, just a little check in. How are you doing? What are your energy levels like? Has anything exciting happened since the last time we we spoke? Uh, has anything exciting happened? Oh, I've discovered vintage. That's my that's my personal life e- excitement. I've, I'm now selling all my shit basically on vintage to other people. I love that you're having a declutter, yeah, pre-spring, spring clean. Yes, it's yeah. kind of a new season vibe, though. I feel like yeah. people are clearing out, making making space, whether that's physical or headspace. Just it's quite cathartic, and it's also nice to see the money come in, particularly <laughs> as I got my gas bill this week. Which, which, yeah, I'm sat here with my hot water bottle. <laughs> every every possible item of clothing that you haven't sold a vintage, you're wearing to Basically. keep warm. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, we digress as we usually do. We have a love a bit of small talk at the start of an episode, but we know that's not what the listeners are here for. They are here for the good stuff. And in this episode, we wanted to just explore a bit more around listening and what it really means to listen as a leader and whether we feel like we really are listening in our leadership positions. So before we get into the good stuff and and I give you a bit of a grill in Lee, because I always feel that's that's the role I take on. You're much better when you do these at making it conversational. Whereas when I'm I'm in the driving seat for the podcast, I like to give you a good grilling because I know there's loads I can learn from you. You get your Jeremy Paxman on. You're like, <laughs> give me the answers. <laughs> tell me, tell me. Anyhow, we do talk a lot about listening as a leader, but I wanted to explore what we really mean by that. I was thinking about an article that I read in Forbes, and it is a little bit dated now, but that article stated that 85% of what we know, we have learned from listening. Mm. Interestingly, people generally listen, though, at a 25% comprehension rate, which is probably not a surprise to us with our backgrounds in communication and thinking about how we really support people to listen understand messages that we're putting out but in a typical business day we spend 45% of our time listening 30% of our time talking and if you're interested in the other percentages it's 16% reading and 9% writing so I was just setting a bit of context there around how important listening is Mm. and I know we will talk about 
how to be a good listener, I hope, at some point um, in this conversation. But in the kind of leadership space, I think we often hear people make comments about leadership feeling like quite a lonely place. Mm. But for me, it can also feel like quite a noisy place to be as a leader, because I feel like everyone's got something to say, you know, how you're leading, what you're leading, uh, sometimes to your face and sometimes I'm sure behind your back as a leader. So it, it can feel quite noisy and people have got an opinion about what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. There are absolutely loads of calls on your time as a leader and we've talked about some of this before in other episodes with many competing demands and priorities. So I wanted to just think about how as leaders, can we cut through that noise? Like, Mm. how do we work out what's important in terms of the conversations we're part of and and who we're choosing to listen to? I love this topic because it's something that's very dear to my heart and quite important to me, both in my corporate role when I've worked in organisations and I've seen the results and the fallout from leaders who haven't listened um, and that poor culture that develops because bad behaviours start to permeate, staff engagement drops, performance drops, customer experience is affected and then reputation, all of that starts to spiral and it can all start from something as simple as leaders not listening. So it is absolutely something that I feel quite passionate about and obviously the job I do now, I work with leaders around making the right impact and a lot of that is around listening to build connection and testing what you hear as a leader to help with that trust so yes I'm like all in on this conversation today <laughs> and I, I really before I get to the actual question you've asked because this is my way I'd go off on a little tangent <laughs> your figures were, were really interesting to start because actually we're talking listening or when you read those figures out listening is in through your ears but there are so many other ways you can listen so actually I think all those figures will constitute some form of listening so what you read are you actually paying attention absorbing it um you know what you're seeing are you hearing what's being said in in non-verbal ways so I think you know I don't want our conversation today to be purely about what is verbally said because I do think it's more complex about than that And to throw another stat in the mix there then, um, which I also found quite interesting when we're talking about listening, and I know we'll we'll talk more about the the how around this as well, but less than 2% of all professionals have had any formal sort of learning or training to understand and improve listening skills and techniques. Mm. So when Mm. you're talking about the fact it isn't just about what you hear through your ears, I mean, you know, 2% of people actually really understanding what it means to listen and practicing good listening techniques is is quite staggering really, isn't it? But back to that first point around, there is a lot of calls on leaders to listen and to be part of lots of different conversations. How do you start to work out as a leader that the space you need to be in, in terms of that listening, what conversations are important? You know, who who do you choose to listen to as a leader? and, And I guess more importantly, why? It is incredibly overwhelming because everyone does want a piece of you, as you said. So you've got to work out um, how you're going to cope with that as a leader, first and foremost. You don't want to knee-jerk respond to everything that comes your way or ignore the wrong people because you will pay a price. So this is an important part of your establishing your leadership approach for me. So for me, I think there are a few things. 
I think firstly, looking at the methods and mechanisms you have in place to listen. Then there's something for me about the types of questions, how you determine the questions that you're seeking to answer, because I think that will help inform how and who you listen to. Then that moves on to what you actually do with what you hear. And I think it's not as simple as just aligning what or who you listen to to say your vision or your values because that can be a really simple way of chopping it up but I think that's when you're at risk of missing what's really going on in your organization and what's really important to people so there's some broader questions that you need to start with and look at different mechanisms to do that and I do think my other standing principle is as leaders we have to stop worrying about or putting all our effort and energy into those who shout the loudest because as we said there's so much more to who and how you listen so I think we could probably explore some of that in a bit more detail as we carry on with the discussion but for me those are the kind of four my four buckets oh we're back to buckets we haven't had a bucket since probably like series two (laughs) on Instagram I'm loving that the buckets are back I think that's really helpful in terms of how you've laid that out there in terms of of the principles and foundations around how we start to to think about who who we listen to as a leader and what sort of conversations we're part of I loved what you said about not getting sucked into that trap necessarily of always listening to those who shout loudest and have the loudest voice in fact it is really important, isn't it, to give a voice and really listen to those mm. people who, who are not being vocal and, and who are perhaps being quite quiet. And I think that is definitely something to consider um, when you're in that leadership space, that actually sometimes the people that are choosing not to engage are the people whose opinions and voice you need to listen to sometimes more than others. Yeah, I find that a lot with the whole idea of staff surveys, like it is a brilliant temperature check to do staff surveys but I'm usually more interested in the reasons why people choose not to fill them in rather than pushing for that magical Mm. number Mm. of a percentage response rate Mm. because actually the fact that a certain percentage of your workforce are choosing not to fill that staff survey in should really be telling you something and you should should be exploring that and wanting to listen to what that's telling you. When I was in my corporate role we did a big change program and it was it was changing services and there was a small but very 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 vocal group who wanted to campaign against the change and there was an anxiety from the senior leadership team that we needed to pander to that and the noise that they were creating and if we had gone down that route and just followed their lead and responded to everything they said we wouldn't have made any of the changes and I was quite headstrong I suppose in going we won't ignore them their voice is welcome, but we need to find alternative voices and different ways that people more broadly can engage in the conversations. And so actually we found this really active community of people who didn't didn't want to be part of that noise, didn't relate to what the noise was saying, wanted to be part of a solution to make things better. And we, we got a far stronger outcome of the change programme because we said, hang on a minute, we're not just going to go to the people who who think they've got the ears of politicians or the media and all of that because they can create a loud noise but we're going to go into the communities and the people who are actually affected and listen to them. Absolutely think you're right it's about trying to create that diverse voice isn't it and and try to hear from everybody which like we've said feels like a bit of an overwhelming task when when there are so many different stakeholders that you're trying to manage and I think something around 
working out which conversations you need to be in is about doing that stakeholder I'm making it sound really formal stakeholder Mm. mapping piece Mm. but there is something about understanding who your key stakeholder groups are and then how you can reach out and be part of those conversations with them for sure Um, and I was just interested reflecting back on something you said when you first started speaking Lee about it's important not always just to listen to those voices that align with your vision and your Mm. values and and what you're setting out for the organization and I think that's almost a similar note of caution isn't it around just listening to those voices that Mm. that shout the loudest because actually you know you do need to to create a space for people to have that challenge and to challenge your own thinking because actually you need to listen to those people that are not maybe on board with your vision to find out why there might be some really good genuine stuff in there which means you have to change course or do something a bit differently so if you're only in those conversations and spaces listening to people you've got the same view as as you that can be quite dangerous we've advised against the echo chamber many many a time and I think this is one area that is really important and I also think that particularly with things like your vision and values you need to I mean your values are, are personal to you and they're less likely to be influenced by views but the vision that you set for particularly if you're working in an organization has to be responsive to the needs of the people that the organization serves and if you come in with a completely left field idea that that isn't going to land well with people that doesn't mean it has to be popular because you can take people on a journey of change but if they think you're not tackling the things that are going to be important to them, they're never going to buy into you and your vision. And then you failed at that first hurdle of leadership, really. Are you a new, established or aspiring CEO looking to maximise your impact in the workplace? At Sunday Skies, I help you get clear on your big vision, create a strategy that connects and the communication plan to deliver it. No matter where you are in your CEO journey through my unique blend of coaching and WU consulting, I will give you the strategy, support and space to succeed in post. Visit sundayskies.com to find out more and sign up for my email to receive intelligence and information that will challenge and change the way you lead. If you're enjoying this episode of How to Take the Lead, please hit subscribe and go and leave a review or rating. We'd also love to hear your stories and thoughts on today's topic. Please DM us at How to Take the Lead on Instagram or Twitter or tag us into your socials using the hashtag How to Take the Lead. I guess just to move us on a little bit, and I think it links nicely to your point. For me, you know, truly listening, it's it's more than just words, isn't it, to say that I'm a leader who listens and And I think there is this danger that people can perceive leaders who go big in that space and make, ironically, a big noise about listening Mm -hmm. um, can almost sometimes feel a bit tick box. Um, And some of that is about the mechanisms, I guess, that get put in place around listening. But I'm just interested to hear from you in terms of your experience about what advice you would give to leaders about how to truly listen to their stakeholders rather than going down that tick box route of we've done a consultation event that means we've listened tick for example Mm. where would you start with advice for leaders about how to truly listen well I think if you go back to the basic premise of a conversation when most people are in conversations they actually listening for an opportunity to speak that is they're already working through what's their response going to be and waiting for a chance to jump 
into that conversation. So they're not truly listening. So if you take that as, as the premise and then you can see how that would work through a whole load of different scenarios, I think the things that get in the way of you listening is when you're trying to guess where that conversation might be headed, if you're trying to rehearse your reply to the conversation, if you're making assumptions about where that other person or group of people are coming from, if you're feeling anxious or you've got a fear about what you might hear um, or what people are saying, if you're thinking too much about yourself as you put the question out, uh, if you've got that pressure of time because you need to deliver something by its point, all of these things impact your ability to listen. Um, and as we said from the outset, listening isn't just about what you hear, it's what you see, what you read, how you hear it, and the things you don't see or hear. So it's really multifaceted. And I think the best conversations and the best way to listen, and when people really feel listened to, is when someone can really respond to all of Absolutely. I think I'm sure we can all give examples of where we've been in conversations with people where they are saying one thing with their words and you are listening but actually their body language for example is saying something completely different and it's being able to recognize those sorts of cues isn't it and understand that actually although somebody might be saying one thing actually what they really mean or how they really feel is is hidden somewhere else and that you need to have that that curiosity and that desire as as well as I guess that skill to dig a bit deeper and understand more about what it is that somebody's truly trying to say to you. And I think that comes a lot with the fear piece as well that Mm. you mentioned, that sometimes, particularly if you're a leader going into a conversation with somebody, that can be quite overwhelming for that person. And we hear that phrase a lot about speaking truth to power, but that isn't always easy to do, actually. And I think as a leader, you need to almost have your senses heightened to that, the fact that you might have to do a bit more digging and maybe a bit of triangulation with what other yeah. things are telling you yeah. to really kind of understand whether what you've heard is is really what that person or that group of people have said to you for sure. I brushed over it, but this this notion of, and we've all done it where we think we know what the answer to the question is that we've asked or we've made an assumption about the person and the angle they're going to bring to the discussion. And I think we have to be really careful in those situations because they're going to stop you being inquisitive when you go out and discuss to people or it's going to lead the type of questions that you ask and so you're not truly exploring the topic. I do think there are some helpful things you can do to show you're listening and it isn't a tick box, oh, I do this but I'm not really listening. If you do things like summarise what you've heard um, potentially paraphrasing but you've got to be really careful with that because if you put words in their mouths that they didn't say you can quite quickly lose that connection that you're building and they won't feel listened to it could be asking further questions like you said and start to probe and explore but making sure they're open questions and not closing down the conversation sometimes it's about not saying anything and just letting that other person get off the chest whatever it is that's They need to vent and you don't show any judgment or attachment if you don't actually participate in the discussion. And then I think there's also you you need to be mindful of your behaviours and your body language. So are you fidgeting whilst that person's talking? Are you multitasking? 
Are you not making eye contact as they as they talk to you? What's your face saying? All of those things are really important part of a conversation and for people feeling listened to. And and I feel like quite a lot of that links with sort of empathy and the conversation mm. we've had before around emotional intelligence as well. And I think mm. people who are highly emotionally intelligent can often be perceived to be better listeners because yeah. they are all of those sorts of things are coming naturally to them in terms of the interactions that they have with people. I loved your point about sometimes it's just about letting people vent. It's not even about having a two-way conversation. And I, I remember at a, a point in time, many years back in my career now where we um, were taken on a new service and we had to have staff transfer into our organization and we held listening events and Mm. the first event I attended gosh I was totally I I don't think I was surprised because I knew there would be a level of hostility but it was just like we'd gone in with an agenda that we Mm. wanted to talk about and get feedback on and actually before we could even get to that point people's frustrations and anxieties and worries about what might happen you know, we're all bubbling there on the surface. And it was really obvious to me in that room that we weren't going to be able to to have the conversation we'd intended to, but actually that it was accepting that that's okay. Yeah. And and I remember saying to a group of people, it was in the world's smallest room in the top of a pub, weirdly, which is why I remember it, where the chairs were all set out and there was hardly enough space to stand at the front. And I was like, these people are so close to me and they're really angry. <laughs> And I just remember saying, look, let's just have some time now for you to say what you what you need to say and what you want to get off your chest. So that was the words I used, which is why what you said resonated. And actually, that was really powerful because although people started in some in a frustrated place, some in an angry place, mostly coming from anxiety, by the time we'd spent time together and just mm-hmm. allowed people to share how they felt, they actually said at the end, thank you so much. We haven't had the opportunity ever to do that. We just feel like a group of staff who keep being passed from pillar to post and nobody really cares about us. And actually, we really feel that you valued us by giving us that space to share. Yeah. So that, yeah. you know, is really important, isn't it, doing that read in the room and, and working out actually how are you going to get a, a positive outcome from something which might not be the outcome you you intended yeah. for when you went in and it's interesting because I don't know that situation but my my assumption would be that maybe past leaders who've tried to go in and talk they've they have tried to talk at mm. and they've made assumptions about the characters they're talking to and how they'll respond to it which is why that hostility is built and built and built it's interesting I was in another conversation at work today where we were talking about sometimes trying to shift that culture and it was about being more compassionate in the workplace but to demonstrate and, and be more compassionate sometimes there's a reconciliation that needs to happen with people's previous experiences mm. and again it was about that you can say things but actually if you don't fully embrace and allow people to bring out that feeling of their past experiences you're never going to be in a place where you'll truly engage and have a conversation So we talked about this earlier around an important part of demonstrating that you've listened is actually taking action on what you've heard. (laughs) So for me, that feels like a really important part of being a good listener as a leader. How do we do that? What should we do with what we hear as a leader? We're going to hear a lot. Mm -hmm. If we're in listening mode, we're hearing a lot. So what do we do with what we hear and and how do we manage that in our leadership roles? There isn't a one size fits all solution I'm afraid I was I'd, I'd be a millionaire if I could figure out what it was <laughs> you wouldn't be sat here on a podcast with me talking about no. it you'd, you'd have your own 
<laughs> but I do think there are systems that you need to put in place to help you filter and sort everything that you hear that are bespoke, I suppose, to the questions, going back to like my original point, the questions that you're seeking to answer. I think you can't promise that you're going to fix everything or respond to everything. And normally you'll find that themes will come out of the discussions or conversations that you're having that will either create action points or point you in the direction of doing some further work. So there might be some low-hanging fruit that you can deal with there and then. Those quick wins that help build confidence in people that you are listening whilst you then focus on the bigger strategic stuff. And then you've probably got those anomalies. That requires your personal judgment on who you think the right person is, potentially what the ramifications are if you do take action or don't take action. So a lot of it's down to your personal, what the question you're trying to answer as a leader and how does it feed into the bigger picture of, of, of work and some of your personal judgment. I think you need to be clear about the (laughs) (laughs) great clarity clarity of purpose yes you need to be clear about the purpose and your process of listening so are you formally listening is it something informal is it something that could be fed into existing mechanisms because your organization will already have some um do you have a process of feeding back to individuals about stuff that you've heard or monitoring if you've passed it on to someone else, because that can be a real integrity issue for you. If it looks like you've passed the buck and and nothing's happened. When the work I do with with new leaders and when they start job, for example, I always recommend that they purposely do some form of listening exercise. And I always say, be clear on the questions you want to be answered. Be open about what your process is going to be. Don't take things at face value we need to triangulate and test what you're hearing then pick some quick wins and the rest of it starts to form your strategic narrative and priorities I'm just reflecting on what you've said about you know passing the buck and that you might Mm. be asking other people to take action on something because it sits in their remit and I think there is something really important for you as a leader to to really have worked up and understood and had have conversations with other people who might be tasked with taking the action based on the things that you hear and and I have had examples in organizations that I've worked in where not having those relationships and connections and conversations has potentially backfired so for example one of the organizations I worked in had a sort of ask the chief exec kind of scheme and the chief exec was very much like, you know, whatever you ask for, I'll deliver for you. And it's like, oh, that's really not setting the right expectation. And give tone me a pay here. rise and give yeah. me free parking. Well, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, but then some of it was was not massive big things like that. But actually, because um, people were going directly to the chief exec with probably quite very individual personal things that mm. have happened in their team, the chief exec didn't have that background of and context of like why a certain decision might have been taken that that somebody maybe doesn't like Mm. and then was almost reversing those decisions by just saying well yes of course you can do that and yes of course you can Mm. have this and take I think one of them take 20 days off even though you've got no leave left to walk the Great Wall of China without really thinking about 
the implications for other people so now it's like well now we're not being consistent with the way we're applying some things in this organization which is creating inequity and unfairness for people Mm -hmm. and you're undermining other leaders in the organization who've taken a different decision because you've been almost too quick to respond to what you've heard rather than doing that bit of investigating to kind of go okay what's the context before I decide what action to take so I think sometimes it, as much as I've said for me, the taking action bit is is a really important element of listening. Doing that in a knee-jerk way can, can actually yeah. undo quite a lot of good. But demonstrating you've listened and taken action could be as simple as saying to someone, look, I've, I've heard what you've said, I'm going to show some empathy, and this is now what I'm going to do to try and make sure that your query or whatever is responded to I'm going to go to this person and then they will look into it or whatever so it it could be about signaling your intent intent for someone else to deal with it on your behalf that doesn't mean you've you've not listened but it's how you handle that I think that's really important so the other things that you can do to show you've listened so that playing back what you've heard um but also like the use of storytelling we did that episode about storytelling I think that's a really powerful way particularly in an organization or perhaps even to your customer group or whomever is to tell stories of change that's happened as a result of hearing from people um, and that people will feel they can recognize themselves in that story which builds that connection there will be things that we hear as leaders that genuinely we don't maybe have the authority autonomy power to actually act on so, you know, if I think about the fact that I work in, in the NHS part of my day job, you know, there's always those conversations about, well, actually, you're not listening to us because we want to be paid more. But as mm. leaders, there's very little autonomy to do very much about that because that is a national issue. Mm. So how do you handle those sorts of conversations when, when you are hearing what people have said, but you genuinely feel like you can't take the action that, that people are requesting of you? I think there are occasions where you can't take the actions. I think there will also be occasions where you won't take an action because you just don't think it's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, good point. Very good point. uh, So I think in in both cases, you need to be honest about that. And people might not like the response, but they're going to respect the honesty that you bring. You might struggle with that if you're a people pleaser or you don't like confrontation. And those are skills you're going to need to work on separately. But I think the the most important thing is to say what you what is within and and outside the scope of your ability to to do something about. And even if it fits into, let's say, I was talking about the low hanging fruit, quick wins versus long bigger strategic stuff. That's that's quite easy to say. Look, this is what we can do here and now. And then I've heard all these other things from you that's really important. And that's going to play into this piece of work that we're going to do then. And we'll come back out and talk to you in a bit more detail. So you can signal to people your intent. And if you can't do something or you won't do something, be honest about why. Yeah, I love that. Signal intent, I think, is one of the things that I'm really hearing quite strongly that resonates with me for sure in, in that space. It feels like we're getting to that point in the episode where we're on the giving a bit of advice, mm. uh, top takeaways. So what would be your how-tos around how to demonstrate and how to really listen as a leader? I think going back to how so actually consider what are your channels and mechanisms to listen and the questions that you're seeking to answer is a really important starting point 
you need to make sure you're not being too sensitive or defensive. So if you feel that that is something that might come out when you're hearing things you don't like, for example, then that's potentially something you need to work on. Similarly, if you're struggling to listen properly or you're feeling overwhelmed with all the information and you're not quite sure what to do with it, again, I think that's a signal that you perhaps need to work with someone else. And it's it's a little test, actually. I did this when I did my coach training and we had to have a conversation with someone, but not talk. And we just had to let the other person fill the space. And you, when you have permission not to respond, it makes you listen in a completely different way. So, I, you know, I'm not suggesting that you go out to your next town hall or staff Q&A session, just stand there staring at people. <laughs> like some sort of episode of a weird Netflix series. <laughs> Be clear, that's what you're going to do. But have a conversation with someone where you actually... Your objective is not to reply or respond in any way and see what it does to you. I guess for me, in terms of just adding to that, there's something for me about being present. So Mm. if you are going to to be in listening mode and you're actively seeking out the views of others, you must be present in that space and show that you are present. You're not being distracted by other things going on around you. Mm. You're not sat there checking your phone uh, whilst you're having those conversations. allow people to have that space as you've said and and share what they want you to hear for sure and I think there's just something for me about being curious don't always some of the things we've talked about here is about always taking things on face value when you're having some of those conversations look out for those other cues what words people are using and then say from their mouths might not quite align with maybe some of the other things we've talked about around how you can really work out what somebody's trying to say so be curious dig deep and and ask more questions would probably be my my additional takeaways. And I have one further one, sorry, which is I think the whole conversation that we've had around listening and hearing is actually just a metaphor to, to paying attention to all the things, so whether it's written stuff that's being said to you, whether it's things that you're visually seeing, it's not necessarily everything that comes through your ears. I wish people could see the face Lou's just pulled at the end of that. But I knew what you meant and she pointed at her own ears just in case we didn't know where they were. (laughs) What an apt way to end uh, an episode about listening. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you're the first to receive new episodes when they drop every Thursday. If you enjoyed the show, please rate it or leave a review. Visit housetakethelead.com for all the info from today's show to catch up on previous episodes and to sign up to our mailing list. And we'd love to know your thoughts and experiences on the topics we cover. Follow us at How to Take the Lead on Instagram and Twitter to get involved in the conversation. So until next week, get out there and take the lead.